Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. I'm Susanna Constantine, and this is my wardrobe malfunction, the podcast where I talk to an incredible range of guests about their clothing triumphs and disasters. This is our 21st Zoom episode and was recorded in September 2020. You can find it and all other Zoom episodes as videos at mywardmail.com, where you can also see our pyjama party and join us by emailing your own clothing calamities to help at mywardmail.com. Finally, please do subscribe, rate and review and follow us on the usual socials at mywardmail. Right, on to today's special guest, the lead guitarist and elder statesman of The Vamps, the truly wonderful James McBay. The Vamps are releasing their brand new album, Cherry Blossom, on October the 16th, so do check it out. It really is fantastic. So, let's grab the handles, open my wardrobe doors, and find out what's inside. James McVeigh from The Vamps, a youthful, youthful young man and a great band, which I kind of like knew a little bit about James, but I've listened to your new song, Married in Vegas, and I swear to, I'm, I'm such a music snob and I love my music and I got goosebumps and that, oh, amazing. that probably happens about once a year. Wow. It is Amazing! It's Thank you. Slightly 80s, so many more layers. It's really great, really great. I downloaded it and um, when Thank I start you. running again, I'll be listening to it. But you must be really <laughs> pleased. Yeah, yeah. It's um, it's the first song that we've done for oh about a year and a and a bit. So uh, yeah, quite a long time. It's there uh, two years since we did an album. Um, yeah. So in that time, I think you know we took a a bit of time away to to grow as people and musicians and uh and yeah married in vegas is kind of we took it back to the the core of what the vamps uh is which is instruments and vocal um and that's kind of what married in vegas is and it's a bit of a song about sort of throwing caution to the wind oh my dog's just joining us there she is that's all right hello hello, <laughs> hello Mitchie. oh um, beautiful <laughs> she, uh, my, my fiance shut shut us both in the front room and uh so she she's not happy um yeah so so married in vegas uh is yeah the first single off off the album and um as i was saying it, it really just is about having a good time which um at the moment i think a lot of us are wishing we could do so uh, that's kind of um yeah yeah well, why it we're releasing it now yeah and it's jo- it is joyous it puts you in a good mood and it i mean i would say there's a slight nod to the killers um mm-hmm. which you know it's it's ju- i mean of course it's about vegas but it is it's Anyone who's watching, download it. It is really great. But my dog, so you did that in lockdown. How's lockdown been for you? 
Yeah, it's uh, yeah. The whole song was done in lockdown, actually, uh, yeah. from start to finish. Um, lockdown's been uh, strange, obviously, but um, genuinely, Moochie, who just came in, our dog, we we adopted yeah. her in January, and I think having having a dog during lockdown um, for this our f- first dog, um, and we got her not knowing obviously what was going to happen and she's been a godsend and because she is a rescue she's required a lot of work which has been very difficult at times but also given us a bit of a purpose um yeah when we've not been able to go outside um aside from that with the band it's been uh quite productive for us because we had to finish the album we had nothing else to do other than finish the album because we weren't allowed to tour or or do any press. Um, so we're very lucky that the, uh, all of us kind of can produce at home. Uh, so we, we finished everything on Zoom like this. Um, and it meant that we actually, yeah, finished everything. And all we have to do now is get out and, and tour it. So uh, it's yeah. it's been, it started strange, but I think once we'd all adapted to it, um, lockdown was just, it sort of transitioned into being quite a strong uh, opportunity to, to finish, to finish what we needed yeah. to. So it's not been too bad. Yeah, well, hopefully you will be able to tour it. I mean, it's a nightmare for all you guys. I, I have know. a friend who is doing a world tour, and he, which he had to cancel. And mm. um, he's, you know, it's just real, real nightmare. But you, yeah. and so you were also getting married, weren't you? Uh, yeah, married we, in November and you've had to postpone yeah. that too. Yeah, we did. Yeah, we were, uh, everything's kind of done and it was the final touches. Um and uh, and then yeah we I think I think we we didn't want to go ahead with something that was technically illegal <laughs> so we had yeah. to call it now um, and and look I think I think for us we've got a few elderly relatives and we we feel it may be irresponsible to bring them all together even if it was um, legalized so uh, I think yeah. you know when we get married next October now it's actually going to be Halloween weekend which is funny because it was originally oh going to be I think seventh of November. Please tell me you're not going to theme it, James. Are you? No, no, no. But we are. We are getting married in a castle. Um, so it might. Are you? Yeah. So it might uh, sort of already be themed without us doing it. But no, I'm not really one for dressing up. I kind of hate it. Uh, so yeah, it's quite funny that someone that hates that is getting married in a castle on Halloween. The, the irony. Yeah. Well, at <laughs> yeah. least it's not. I mean, God, because you were on I'm a Celeb, weren't you? Yes. Which um, I find so, I find, well, I find it weird that I did it, but I also find it weird that you did it. But uh, yeah. so you could have been, if you'd been doing it this year, you could have been in a castle too. I know. I was um, I was just saying this morning, actually, bizarrely, to, to Kirsty that I would have much preferred, I think, to do it in that castle in Wales. Yeah, than go Just because, I mean, obviously Australia is incredible, but I think because I felt so far away physically from everyone at home, that was yeah. like another thing. If I was like two and a half hours away from where I live in London, in Wales, I'd be like, well, it's not that bad, is yeah. it? <laughs> yeah, no, I totally, I totally agree. And I kind of, mm. I think the cold environment is, yeah. is kind of easier to deal with than that, that heat. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but so did you, when you took a break from the band, uh, what, what did you, I mean, was it, it must've been kind of a relief because when you're a unit like that. So when I was working with Trini, it was, mm. A double-edged sword so I'd miss her like crazy because we were so used to being together it was like married we were like an old married couple <laughs> but then also it was quite a relief so what did you miss about your bandmates what was strange is we actually had a, a long when I was in the jungle after that we we took close to sort of four four or five months 
um, apart. So we kind of already did that mini sort of like parting aways. And we came back together sort of uh, last spring um, into summer and we we started this album and we were really getting into the swing of things. We sort of, um, I mean, the album's called Cherry Blossom and it really, for us, it was like yeah. a, a regeneration of life within the band. We sort of found it again and thought, yeah, let's let's do it. And as we were sort of really getting getting into it and we took you know a month off over Christmas but then we started again and we were really getting excited and then coronavirus happened so we'd already had that kind of like let's have some time apart and then come back together um and the momentum was building and then we had to sort of pause it but um yeah I guess I guess the the biggest the biggest thing was not I mean three of us out of the four live within sort of two miles of each other in West London um yeah. and we, we were seeing each other so much because Brad the singer had just moved to London sort of at the start of the year um so I was really getting to the swing of being able to sort of see him like most days and it was lovely and then all of a sudden all this energy and excitement oh. had to stop um so yeah I guess I guess fit and also I don't know uh what it's like with you and you work with other people but definitely in the vamps if you're not physically together it's quite easy for things to just slip and not happen so I was so you know when Absolutely. we're together I can be like right Brad finish that song or Tristan do that or, or they'll say that to me but when you're apart it's very easy to just sort of yeah fade into nothingness into a Netflix hole for three days yeah. <laughs> yeah. so would you say you're the kind of um CEO of the band like the are you the managing director uh are you the one that gets things done? <laughs> it, I I like being punctual and uh, and doing things. I think in the early days um, of the band, sort of eight years ago, I, I'm the oldest in the band. So back then, I was sort of eight, well, eighteen, and, and Connor was so fifteen. Young. So, so so I think yeah, I think oh between between the ages of like fifteen and eighteen, there is quite a a big gap, really. And I think so. Definitely at the start, I sort of fell into that role a bit more than I do now perhaps uh yeah and that and that was nice but also I think I think it's nice now that we're all very much equally invested and I think the good thing about the band is we we all contribute in in a variety of different ways um and it's yeah, yeah and and it somehow works we, we're very um we're very similar sort of well from very similar backgrounds and even though we're from different places and have very different interests it just it somehow gels and it's like a weird formula that um yeah. That, yeah, that means that it just sort of gets on and we never really have any arguments. So, um, yeah, yeah, very lucky. Yeah, that is great. And you grew up in um, in Dorset, mm -hmm. in Bournemouth, yep. didn't you? Who inspired you clothes-wise when you were growing up and who are your style icons? Uh, Do you have any? I, I get haunted by pictures of um, of when I was in sixth form uh, and, and sort of in the early years of the band because my, yeah, my, my fashion sense was... Uh, was awful i think in the the, the very early <laughs> days um i guess like the first thing i saw of uh or, or newer fashion was uh there was a wave of um of sort of pop punk bands from america that would be on like uk tv so so it was all the people that kind of were wearing loads of black and had like um really spiky long hair and and all that so like yeah green day or yeah, like yeah 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 so so I, I got into that and um and that coincided with me. I used to do a lot of um, like BMX biking. I still do actually, which is funny. I'm, I'm now the oldest person in the skate park. And I, and I remember when I was a child, I would look <laughs> at people my age now, I'd be like, they're weird, why are they here? I'm now that person. Yeah. But but with that, um, it was all about wearing very skinny jeans. So your jeans wouldn't get caught in your 
your chain. Um, yeah. So so I'd have like really really skinny jeans. I was quite tall. I had like baggy t-shirts, and I had I had big holes in my ears because I stretched them. I had my nose oh. pierced. Oh. I know. Those so so, so, so that... oh. let's see your ears now. <laughs> but you can't. You're still holding. No, they're they're okay. They're like. They just it yeah. Out well, yeah. Ugh. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, so so I so I went from that stage, um, I was sort of 14, 15, to then there was the influx of the the American kind of surf clothing uh, clothing companies, you know, like the Hollister, the Abercrombie and all that. Yeah. Which um which sort of like hit Dorset like like a storm. It was quite funny. Well, I think I think we thought we were sort of like the the I don't know Malibu Beach of of England because everyone down there you know on the beach anyway was wearing this stuff but um it was strange for me because I had that from like a fashion aspect but then with uh kind of like it, it affected me in a way that I didn't really realize until quite recently sort of with like body image and um and problems with eating because all of their their branding and their even their shopping bags would have these like really muscly men on them um so mm. I thought that I was just interested in the clothes but actually I think it was the whole lifestyle that kind of uh, affected me in a way that sort of has has had a lasting impression to today really so I went from being very like almost like gothic I'd say to to sort of surfy like California-esque um, and it, and then mm. it was sort of and then like there was the whole Jack Wills thing where I was wearing like rugby yeah. tops and like polos all that stuff um, and now I guess it's I, yeah, I didn't really have like a specific person as such, but I think, you know, whatever I was listening to or watching on TV would affect me. But now I'm kind of at a point where um, I think growing up in Dorset's had, uh, yeah, quite an influence on on what I like to wear. So, you know, sort of like the countryside style, like barber jackets, I, I must have 10 barber jackets, um, things like that. And I, I quite like um, comfortable, but but quality clothes, if you know what I mean. So. Yeah. I, I I absolutely detest sort of the, the fast fashion side of of uh, the industry, um, and I very much would like to buy a like there's a there's a um, there's a company that I love called Allabar Brown, which make I don't know if you know them, but they're sort of what's it like, called? Um, Allabar Brown, and that they do kind of like um, oh yeah, like res- yeah swimming trunks, yeah, and, yeah yeah, so like resort yeah. sort of wear thing. So I have a I have like a couple pairs of those shorts that I must have worn every day since since lockdown began because they're they're high quality but they're very easy, and I like comfortable but high quality clothes. I'm not the sort of person that will that will wear like something crazy extravagant but it's itchy because i'm like well it's itchy yeah if you see what i mean <laughs> but then but then does that but that can't translate when you're performing or when you're doing because like your your video it's kind of it is quite kind of rock and roll in the video for um married in vegas mm. um so what's your image going to be now when you're performing is it going to change from a sort of boy band uh yeah i mean for married in vegas actually um there's a suit maker called joshua kane who i've been Uh mates with for years um and i I love i love josh's stuff because it's quite striking so he would he'd make things that are slightly bizarre so what i was wearing in in the married in vegas uh video uh there's two there's two shots but on my solo shots it's like a black and gold kind of woven yeah. suit thing which which i i absolutely love um but again it, it does go back to that comfort so that might be slightly more um i don't know abstract from a style point of view but if it's if it's not comfortable i still i still wouldn't wear it really but i think yeah the, the style for for that video um i mean that the whole idea of that video was the contrast between light and dark and it's kind of uh 
going back to the album, the whole theme is rebirth and, and cherry blossom. So I think we wanted to sort of capture that industrial style, but then with the, the gold was sort of like the hints of the light in the dark. So that suit was perfect for me. Um, but but moving moving forward, like g- generally for the campaign, I you know if you if you say cherry blossom, you have sort of like pastely pink um, thoughts. I, I like pastel-y colors um so sort of like the greens and and the sort of like nice nice blues and, and yellows and, and even some like autumnal sort of brown colors i'm i'm probably one that's more if you were to speak to tristan from the band he he takes influence from very different places to me but i tend to be the more understated uh but but as i said sort of like nice high quality comfortable clothes but nothing that's yeah. gonna i don't really like wearing things at the moment that someone will look at me and be like why are you wearing that? That's strange. I like functional, yeah. functional clothes normally. <laughs> yeah. So you're, it's kind of, um, with you, simplicity is the art of decoration. I think so. And I, I was massively yeah. influenced by the 50s in the earlier years of the band. So, okay. you know, like this James Dean white T-shirt and like nice fitted like jeans with like boots. Like for me, that was like the dream. Um, yeah. So it sort of stems back from there, I think, still. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. So do you think about your look as a collective or do you just work out what you're going to wear individually? Yeah, no, absolutely as a collective. Yeah. Um, so we, I mean, for, yeah, for the, for the first few years of the band, it was very much a, oh, let's open our suitcase when we get into Mexico and see what we have and we'll put it on. But I think now... It's important, and especially with, um, I think it's it's a fine line to walk with when you think about social media and and the vamps. Because for us, we never do things based on social media, but social yeah. media has made has made my industry aesthetic uh, in a way that perhaps you know it's always been um, interesting to see what bands are wearing, and it's cool. But I think now more than ever, there seems to be definitely a notion of. Um, a wider theme with every band and so it is important that what we wear replicates what we're trying to say in our music um especially yeah. when when this album is slightly more themed than perhaps we've ever done before so yeah we do think about it um and we we before we released music we made um like a powerpoint presentation of styles that we liked and and we recognized that the four of us are, are different in what we like but we find that that theme that runs throughout so the if unity, i'm yeah yeah so so if i'm more like of a, a classic look like a yeah fifth you know like basic stuff we'll make sure that the colors will still work and run through what everyone else is doing yeah, or, yeah so yeah so like brad might 
wear like a neck scarf but it'll match the color of like tristan's jeans so yeah we are we are conscious now it's taken years to get conscious but we are there now yeah yeah so there's a unity but you're still individuals which is really yeah, good absolutely yeah and then what about your i mean let, just hold up your arm let me see your tattoos <laughs> i've got quite okay. a few now they, yeah they are actually rather beautiful did the same person do them um so no actually i i've uh well for a start actually my mum hates them so uh, it's funny you say that because she she'd, she okay. wouldn't say they're beautiful actually so you're you're more complimentary than she is um but no I've got them uh, all around the world actually um there is okay. a guy there is a guy that I use in London who's done a couple of like the the big ones but um but really it's it's it is similar to uh, to fashion in a way because um the style that my tattoos are are slightly different from from the norm and with that it's quite difficult to find artists that can complement each other on my arms um and and on my on my chest uh, around the world um but it, yeah it is really like a style and it's definitely sort of like fashionable at the moment to have it's called like fine line tattoos um so yeah i've uh, i've only had them though yeah. for, for a couple of years so it's a uh, it's it's funny but to I'm, um to see how they feel yeah i like the fact that they're just they're, they're, there's no color yeah yeah That's i don't really like, like color them. And they're yeah. almost sort of Japanesey in a way. The sort of like yeah, they, Japanese yeah. writing. It's very fine. They yeah, it kind of kind of looks like that. But uh, the irony with that though is um, uh, tattoos are sort of like frowned upon in Japan. So I went to um, I stayed in a place called Hakone, which is by sort of the foothills of Mount Fuji. Last year with with uh, with Kirsty and yeah. I, I th we stayed in this hotel because they had like natural um, onsens they're called, and I wasn't allowed in them because I had tattoos. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so it's, no so it's, way. Yeah, yeah, so you're not you're not really because I think they're sort of they've historically been associated with sort of the underground crime world so i think people yeah. really don't like them um so so yeah even though they look a bit japanesey they're uh, they're definitely not how old were you when you got your first one? Oh god uh, i must have been 24 or 25 okay. um, and it and it's funny because i actually don't like most tattoos I think people presume that if you've got loads of tattoos, you must love them all. But I'm actually, mm. I'm, I, I really am not. I am, I, I always grew up saying I didn't like tattoos at all. Um, and then I don't know. You sort of you try and pick things that you do like. Um, I guess it's like clothes. You know, you, you most yeah. people don't like a lot of what, <laughs> what, what's out there. But you sort of find what you are into and then run with it. But uh, yeah, about yeah. two, two and a half years ago, I got my first one. And um, my love, so when you were talking about Hollister and especially Abercrombie, I remember Abercrombie going into the New York store and just, mm. I mean, I was probably kind of in my 30s, I guess, quite a long time ago. And as soon as I walked the, through the door feeling so um, less than, my self-worth went down because they, they were all, all the boys were kind of young, ripped and skinny. Mm. And all the girls were, were super, super thin and very young and very gorgeous. And the fact that you were wearing brands like that was kind of interesting considering you had, because you had um, real body issues, didn't you? And, and um, eating issues. And didn't you have anorexia? Well, I mean, the so paper said I did. Fed but... into that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I didn't. Well, well, I... Um... Yeah, I, I, it's hard actually, and I may, maybe it's why it's important to talk about because I think a lot of definitely men don't uh, 
we don't really well i i don't really know what it is um but but yeah i mean i i can definitely pin back the these issues uh to that time of going from it's actually quite sad going from a point where you didn't really look at you know i was sort of 15 didn't look at my body in a way i didn't really care um at all i was just you know a normal normal kid and then you were sort of as you say you go through that door and you see all these things and you're like oh okay and then coinciding with that everybody at my school that was wearing that sort of stuff was into rugby and football and the girls really liked them and I think without realizing it sort of yeah it shifted from oh I like that polo top to I have to look like that in order to fit in with that societal group yeah um and and yeah that was that was 12 years ago now and even you know, today I will think about what I'm eating and whether I'm, um, whether I'm balancing that out with going to the gym or I'm going to walk to my physio because I can't run like things like that. Um, and it it is just a constant scales in my head where, uh, it can very easily tip into quite negative thoughts, but I guess now I'm lucky that because, you know, we do things like this and I'm quite vocal about it. I actually almost look at how I'm, I look at how I'm feeling from like a third person perspective almost. And I'm like, okay, I know that these are negative and unhelpful thoughts. That's fine. And it's just about bringing it back up to be, being more level level playing. But um, yeah, it's definitely something that um, that's bizarre. And luckily, I think more men are speaking about this sort of stuff. Um, but it's it's such a such a bizarre thing to to come out and, and say that you you sort of regularly have quite negative thoughts about how you look uh, definitely from a, a man's perspective in a in a touring band the, you know it's 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 it's, it's, a, it's a weird a weird thing but uh, yeah I, I've learned to live with it and um and actually in in some ways it, it kind of makes me the character I am today I guess it's so important that guys like you are vocal about it because I do think for you know young men and, and boys it's it's getting a lot worse yeah yeah absolutely is yeah and I, and I think there, there is so much um uncertainty about it that uh everybody around this topic from from the person to everyone around just doesn't really know what what to say um and yeah it, there's been a lot um of, of of women speak about it over over sort of like the past I don't mm. know, decade decade or so but but really from a man's perspective it's only been the past couple of years um and and yeah, I think the key is is sort of this communication the more conversations we have then we can sort of figure out the best um method to to address it uh, but I, I definitely think you know vocalizing how how you feel is really important so I guess like I sort of prompt uh people around to just sort of ask you know how, how people are feeling um and I find from like a man's perspective if it's any of my mates because what, what was strange for me is when I started talking uh, about things I, I realized actually like most of my friends around me were having uh similar similar episodes in their life and and I think it sort of taught me that um especially in in us guys it's communication is is really key for for sort of breaking down those initial um sort of barriers um and hesitations yeah, yeah. no absolutely absolutely so um when um did you did you did anyone point things out to you or is it something that you worked out on your own i mean did anyone help you through it or did the band members say hey james you know, mm. need to sort yourself out, or were you sorted out before you, uh, the band got together? I um, it was definitely a um, a revelation that that occurred to me in the midst of of the band sort of like 
craziness. So we were sort mm. of like around the around the world doing loads of shows. Like I was away for like 90% of the time. And and that's when it sort of like came to a head because I realized that I was dictating pretty much every meal that the band was having. And like we tour with, I don't know, there's probably 12 of us on the road at yeah. any given time. And, and I was the one that was saying, oh, can we not go there because I can't have anything there? Or let's go to this restaurant. Let's go there. Let's not do that. And I think, yeah, it was a point and I was just like, I can't, this is not, uh, a, a good way of living you know I was waking up first thing critiquing myself and um and food and like from the moment I yeah got out of bed f- food was like a question it was like should I have that shouldn't I have that and I think if you if you immediately put food in a in a negative in a negative position um from the off then it's yeah. it's just a recipe for disaster so yeah I think it it definitely was I think probably three years ago was the moment that I sort of like it changed for me and it went from me sort of like avoiding an issue to now to now yeah. I sort of like embrace the issue which sounds strange but I think no, accepting I mm. yeah um yeah absolutely yeah so it's kind of like I mean it is it is an addiction it's a sort of anti-addiction because but it is that kind of feeling of needing to be in control and that can take up your whole life it's like being an alcoholic you know, it mm. takes up your whole life thinking, when am I going to get my next drink? How am I going to do it? How am I going to hide it from people? And that that is exhausting, living your mm. life like that. It's so absolutely. tiring. Yeah. yeah, 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 absolutely. And and it's not, it, I think with, with the food, and in my experience, it was like, it wasn't just like an eating thing because it was also the exercise side. So before I yeah. knew it, you know, it, I, every day, a couple hours would have to be given to, to the gym and I to be fair it, it still is now but you'd have yeah you'd have the food on one hand and then you'd have the exercise on the other so it was like two ways that I could really piss off everyone around me <laughs> yeah um so yeah it was it was horrible yeah horrid 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 so during these times did you have anything or that was and when you were on tour did you have anything an item of clothing or anything that kind of represented a comfort blanket that made you feel better uh, I, th- I think um, one thing that's that's helped, and this is going to sound so like Anorak vibes, but like I've got into watches in the past few years. Okay. Um, and and I, I suppose you could say it for the same thing as tattoos, but slightly different. Um, yeah. But I think yeah, for for me, like having something that I take with me everywhere, regardless of what I'm doing, um, is quite uh, quite important. And um, I watched a um, a John Mayer interview the other day, and he said it's it's amazing because no matter where you are like when you get into like a hotel room and you've got two hours sleep because you've got you know a flight at 3 a.m like you take your watch off and it's next to your bed and it's like that that's always with you it's like a companion which sounds so shit but it but it really is um and it doesn't i don't really get that in an item of clothing because this this could be here forever um but no no matter how much i look after a, a jacket you know at some point it will it will die but um yeah. yeah, I've got a few, a few different watches that I sort of take round, and they are they are memories and sort of like keystone moments in in my life. So I'd probably say, yeah, one of watches. my watches. Yeah, yeah, which is why you're always on time. Oh, well, there we Mr. go, Mr. Prompt, <laughs> Mr. Prompt. <laughs> and then my love, have you? Um, what's your worst wardrobe malfunction been? Uh, it would. I I, I asked Kirsty this uh, the other day because she. Um, 
I, I, she, she's like, yeah, I, I'm more sort of hopeful with my, with my clothing choices <laughs> in, in my life. Um, she's, yeah, she's very critical. I went through a stage of wearing sleeveless leather jackets. Um, oh my god! The, well, the thing is, though, they they were very fifties, and I thought, well, that's cool. Yeah. But then, if, mm. but but now they just and I had a few denim ones as well, uh, which which yeah, awful. I think though, in hindsight, I wore them because they were more um, comfortable on stage because. Yeah, I just yeah, I don't really like type, but like yeah, doing that like it's not very nice. When to you're do playing that guitar, yeah, exactly. But um, but they did they did sort of cross over into day to day life. Uh, so yeah, it would be them, I think. Yeah, but have you had any time when your an item of clothing has let you down? Uh, I've had oh, I've had a couple actually. Um, the the yeah, the boring one is wearing leather jackets on stage that have like zips here, and that bit yeah. always goes in the strings. Um, the slightly <laughs> naughtier one is I went to the Pride of Britain Awards years ago and I, I uh, last minute, had to, uh, someone from the record label had to buy me a suit and it was at a time when I really didn't care about what I looked like really. So they bought me a suit and it was quite tight and my full cock is on uh, in a lot of press pictures when I was doing the red carpet because it was like... They were so tight that I know it was too late to change. I was I literally <laughs> went there to change. So that yeah, that was awful. Um, but no, pro- probably yeah, one of those two. One of those one two. Of those and two. then if you're gonna your birthday suit, what would you wear if you were allowed to really push the boat out star wise, and you felt I'm not going to be judged or criticised by anyone? Okay. Um, well, I don't. I don't. Uh, I don't buy leather anymore. Um, at all I, I i'm happy to have uh sort of like uh, secondhand leather but I, I don't really contribute to that but uh in the early days of the band i was given a philip pline leather jacket um and it's worth like six grand or something and it's Bloody and it's hell. fucking outrageous like it, yeah. it's absolutely <laughs> and I, I would never wear it like going to the, the the coffee shop or whatever but like yeah uh, yeah if i was to Sometimes I, I wear that when um when I want to feel special. I also have matching Philip Pline boots that are also mental. Uh, so yeah. I do the combo. Um, pro- probably that. So great. And then, so your album Cherry Blossom. When does that come out? Is it October sixteenth? Yeah, right? October sixteenth. Yeah. Um, which is that in my head that date is like next year, but we're really running out of time, aren't we? Summer's yeah. kind of over. So uh, yeah, it'll be out before we know it. Yeah. Well, I'm so looking forward to hearing it. And you know what? You're a real inspiration, James. And you're so different in a good way to how I expected you to be. You're just, you're fucking great. So thank you. you I appreciate that. Thank you. Very kind. I love talking to you. Thanks so much, my darling. You take care and say hi to Kirsty. I will do. Thank you very much. All right. Bye. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. 